When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Well, hello there. How are you doing? Hi, doing all right. Good. Well, thank you so much for hanging out here today on TPQ20. It's nice to actually, you know, get to talk to you. We've kind of talked back and forth for the last year or so. So yeah. it's nice to actually have a conversation. Likewise. So we always like to get started here by saying that we know who you are, but some of our audience may be new to you. So if you were to sort of give, you know, your elevator pitch or more the, the bio that your publicist doesn't have, uh, <laughs> yeah. what would you want people to know? I would want people to know that I am at heart a Gary, Indiana girl who wears her heart on her sleeve that honestly loves people and cares so much to a fault about this work, this writing community, art, uh, my people, Black people, justice, women. And that's what keeps me up at night. I turn and toss and turn and turn. And it gives me anxiety thinking about injustices and things that aren't right keep me up and people keep me up. I'm a lover of people. I get that from my mother. We care a lot about care and our community and how we can use our gifts to give back. And maybe something that I write might help someone else that's dealing with similar things. So that's, you know, that's the unsexy thing that <laughs> I love I it. Don't often share. Yeah. And, but that's where your passion comes from. And that's why you are who you are when it comes to writing is because of exactly what you just said. Because, you know, usually we kind of lead off with going into like people's passions, but you, you kind of just shared that portion of who you are. And I think maybe the question becomes then, at what age did you realize that maybe poetry or writing or at least storytelling of some type was kind of your calling? When did it become a real, a real thing to you? <laughs> so I'll tell you a little story. My mom says that I've been like bringing people together and storytelling since I was like four. And I kid you not, she says that in my preschool, my kindergarten class, I woke everyone up and got in trouble because I used to do story time and sing-alongs and like three-part harmony <laughs> with the little babies at like yes. four. And she was like, Kalisa, you know, like you've always known that you were a leader your job was to later figure out how to wield that sword, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that when I finally, and I'm still figuring that out, you know, I was talking right. about it today, how I haven't quite 
mastered that even today i'm battling insecurity and anxiety but i think when i knew that i wanted to like do this i was standing in class at north carolina nt university i had transferred from unc wilmington which is largely what my book is about about how it was so othering (laughs) and racist and this like historically racist Southern town, you know, being a Chicago girl moving to this really racist Southern town. And when I knew I wanted to do it was my first week at my new college, the director of the creative writing department, she's blind and she heard me the first day, the assignment was to spit an original poem. That was like the test, right? And I did it and then she heard me and she said, Kalisa, you need to do this for the rest of your life. You are a beautiful soul, a beautiful person. I need you to do this, use that gift and that writing to change people's lives. And I was like, what, excuse me? (laughs) I was like, what? And so I think, yeah, I needed someone else to give me permission that I could because you know like somewhere along the way i lost what my mom said i had like when i was a kid i had a lot of confidence in myself that i like could do it and then i think over the years i lost that that belief that courage and so i think that i needed her this like powerful director who was like this world-renowned writer to tell me like nope f all that insecurity you got this you could do this so yeah, that's what it took for me to really believe. Now, had had she not said that, what would you have been? Where were you heading pre uh, pre being you know the writer and the and the speaker that you are? What was the job route? So the goal. So I had actually made a commitment to study writing upon mm-hmm. literally just packing up my stuff with my friend and being like, "Let's get the hell out of here," and so. <laughs> I had already, I think that move to say like, I cannot be in this town anymore and I need to, I'm not well. And I just like, I won't end up living out my fullest potential, but I I won't even be sane if I stay here. I think that in itself, like choosing to leave somewhere, I had already committed even before she told me that unconsciously, I think I knew that my path was gonna be writing, but before she kind of like spoke life into me, I had told myself, I had taken time off school and I told myself that I wanted to my parents, my whole family, I wanted to be a full-time actress. I had even moved to California with my sister and just, and like thought that was my journey Um, because yeah. So I had acted and my whole life and sung and danced and was a classically trained, you know, dancer and actress as from a little kid. And I thought that that's where I was heading. But like I said, I think something about like needing a change and like that experience in college, like not getting what I needed out of the experience and that being so traumatic, that woke me up. I think maybe that was like the thing that shifted my original career aspiration a little. Yeah. I like that. Do you ever think about about maybe going on the other side of that and writing for (laughs) screen and stage? Of course. Yeah. So you know, we're gonna get personal real fast. So <laughs> I've I've always wanted to do that. And that's, you know, that's another thing that for a long time people told me that I couldn't, you know, like I, I'm not really sure 
why, you know, my life has been a lot about like overcoming adversity. And so like, I've been told by people that I love, people that don't know me, just a gamut of folks that are like, well, you've committed to this writing thing. And so like film that like stay in your lane. I've gotten that that okay. a lot, oh. like stay in your okay. lane, you know? And so you have, a lot, you have a lot of lanes right now. So that's right. uh <laughs> Right. And not only just me, but now I've been blessed to meet so many people that have been like, what lane? Like right. not only my mentors, my like amazing mentors like Disha Filia, who have been like, Kalisa, you, I am a live, she literally sat me down was like, Kalisa, I am a living witness that whoever told you that knows, doesn't know what they're talking about, you know? And so I've been blessed to now have so many mentors or like people that have been proving that wrong that I now know it's possible for me, you know, just Elizabeth, the other day, Elizabeth Acevedo was talking about how her YA novel, you know, and I'm writing a, writing a YA novel in verse because of her, right? And she literally like made me ball crying the other day because she was like, my book is becoming a screenplay. They're mm -hmm. adapting it. And I was like, you know what, see, see to all the people that told me that I couldn't or that I would never do it or that I didn't finish film school. And so that's impossible to be in a writing room. You know, they know they don't know what they're talking about, because every day another woman of color is pro a person of color is proving that to be incorrect, you know. And so, yeah, I so to answer your question, uh, yeah, that's actually what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm learning Eden actually just got picked up for representation, as you know. And so the whole vision for my YA novel in verse, Unlearning Eden, is for it to be adapted. And then I'm also writing a Southern romance novel. And the person who's editing, <laughs> yes. the, the person who's editing that was like, Kalisa, you wrote this as a screenplay. This is not a novel yet. You know that this is basically a screenplay, right? And I was like, what? What do you mean? And they were like, yeah, you've written this like it's a movie. They were like, you need to, now you need to work backwards and make it into a novel with prose, but this is visual. This is all visual. So yeah, I think my brain is now like trying to actively tell those people to F off. And <laughs> right. Like, wow. Well then I guess the next question works really well with everything you've just said about no lanes and 80 million different tasks that you've got what on earth is your process and how do you separate your different genres from even, you know, even your work at Jezebel, how do you separate all of them to have space for what you're doing? So this is the interesting thing. I have been lucky because I think my life has, my life has taken several like stages you know, like, I feel like I've lived like 20 different lives. What's the reason why that suited me is because I've been able to like engorge myself in the craft and just like go ham in mom and use all of my free time when I don't have a nine to five. And I'm gonna be honest with you. That's what's really been my saving grace. There have been moments when I haven't had a nine to five like I do now. And what I've done is I've just like fully immersed myself in writing and the craft so that what I can do is, and I, I don't know, I'm just like, I, I, I married a poet. And so we have like, <laughs> we have like this really interesting process of like getting a lot of work done. And my husband, 
has been really crucial into me finding a really good groove when I have a nine to five and when I don't, because he's had to do the juggling act that you're talking about. So he's a like, you know, US traveling, accomplished, award-winning slam poet, right? And has been on the team since we have been dating for like upwards of 11 years, right? And so he's mastered the art of how do you have a nine to five write poems that are three minutes because you know slams three minutes yep. and then compete oh, yeah. and then those joints be fire as hell and you win how do you win while having a nine to five that could be a book you know like yeah. in itself oh, yeah. so yeah. he's he taught me exactly what you're talking about about how do you have the willpower to say i'm tired i'm exhausted how do you rest for an hour and then get back up and you write, you know, like there's no tomorrow and you get up and do the same thing again. And so like, I've been super lucky to have my best friend be my husband, be my partner, be my writing partner, my critique accountability partner. And so what I've done is I will create, I'll write a lot of like book link things when I don't have a nine to five. I just like, I don't know, I just do. When I don't have nine five, I create, create, create. And so what I do is then I get a job to save money. This is like nuggets of wisdom. Right. And then like I stack my paper and I'm lucky in the fact that while I am working my nine to five, I already wrote books, yep. <laughs> right? So then, then I submit those books to either contest or to get an agent, which I did, or to win contests or to um, like get a grant or whatever I need to do with those books. And while I'm working my nine to five, I have folks help me edit it. Um, so like right now I have a book coach that keeps me accountable. So we have meetings every week and That's she nice. like gives me a plan. She tells me when I should be at this point at this, it's, it's very structured, right? Oh. Because otherwise I would never be able to turn a poetry book into a YA novel in verse and, right. you know, get an agent and get that sold. Like there's no way with a nine to five and at Jezebel, there's, there's no such thing as a nine to five. You right. write until you're done. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I, I just have found that, um, that's helped that like, being super productive when I'm not working all day. And then when I am, use that as the time to like, get a team around me to really help like, keep me accountable. So that's been, and then like I said, my husband really helps to be, you know, that drill sergeant that's like, nope, Kalisa, let's get it. Let's hustle, let's do it. So, yeah. Now, uh, how are the two of you when it comes to editing? Are you, are you guys, are you guys able to uh, leave, you know, relationship to the to the side while you edit or because i know courtney courtney and i well let me rephrase that i am awful at that uh i i have a really hard time with courtney being my editor for anything even though she's a way better editor than i am uh how are you guys with that <laughs> so we actually don't even like unless it's for a book project we have found you know we're coming up on like 12 years so Right. We've learned the groove, which is like everyday poems. We don't really, we don't really tax each other because we're both so busy with like our side writing projects. We uh -huh. don't edit each other's like everyday pieces. The okay. only time we're like editing each other's work is for when we know that it needs to go into a collection. Okay. And so like my, for instance, my husband just finished um, and published his first um, chat book, right? And so of course I like helped him edit the pieces for the chat book. Of course, 
my husband literally for ghost in a black girl's throat i tell the story all the time about how the sections that people love those were my husband so like he <laughs> sat with me legit like he sat with me for a weekend and was like nope we're not going nowhere me and you sitting in this room and we are we are organizing this book and i was like thank you so much like oh my gosh and he helped me edit my pieces um so i think we respect each other's time so much that it actually helps us from like getting into arguments because he knows that i have my own separate writing projects and i don't have a lot of time to help him edit every day he i know he's super busy with his um he's back in slam season now so i don't bother him but just last night he was like yo you know kalisa come in here real quick and like listen to this joint and tell me what you would think so like that's our version of helping each other edit without taxing each other's you know like monopolizing each other's time so yeah we found it we found a dope groove we we haven't gotten into an argument about poems just because i think like yeah we're best friends we've built up you know a 12 year you know standing relationship where we get each other like he gets me you know he he fully understands me so and vice versa so yeah nice i like that you don't see a lot of it's i think it actually is kind of odd that you that we don't see a lot of poet couples um, at, least, <laughs> I, at least i don't i feel like i've been around the portland poetry world for you know about 15 years now i don't think i've seen a lot of poetry couples we know um, a lot but i mean it, in the slam world it's it's common you know yeah, like you get a lot of true. people yeah and you guys are you know because you do tour together and you practice together and you work together yeah. every day that yeah yeah um <laughs> So I, uh, Mahogany Brown and I got into a conversation on the idea of relevancy mm. um, and how to stay relevant in between projects mm. and whether or not, more importantly, there's a race generationally with each generation of poets that come through, kind of a race for relevancy. And then that leads to kind of some, you know, Twitter fights or infighting here and there. Or uh, mm. how do you, do you feel like there is a, do you feel, I guess, two-part question, do you feel like there is this race for relevancy, like people want to claw their way to the top at some point? Um, and how do you stay relevant during larger projects? Um, so that's a very interesting question. I'd say, yeah, I'd say like any, any industry, um, what's the sad truth is that while we you know want to say that like art is about community and we're all holding hands and loving each other um sadly you know crabs in a barrel i, I used to talk to um my cohort about this a lot about um the scarcity mentality yeah. and when COVID first started we noticed it very heavily where because you know what's so strange to me is that I never felt it because I've been super blessed to always be in a really loving in-person community. And I think that's why I've had a really hard time adjusting to the virtual, what people call like writer Twitter. I've had a difficult time adjusting because I think for me, I've never had to deal with the scarcity crabs in a barrel because we just don't do that. Like where in my, I'm just blessed, you know, like I've had a really dope North Carolina, Southern, like, you know, the like Southern slam community is hella just like tight knit. We take care of each other, we ride or die, right? And so I used to talk to folks about how actually traditionally and culturally, 
that is inevitable, you know, like when you get folks that start to feel like the resources aren't enough for everyone, especially in an, a marginalized, underserved population of people. Um, right. Heck yeah, you know, the pressure to stay. And then you, you then you wipe away all of our in-person opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. gonna get a group of people clawing to get to the top and being nasty and ugly, right? And mm-hmm. so like, I think that it's it truly has been my unraveling at times thinking about that and so or even being in the in the midst of it and so i you know i was just talking to our our uh, mutual friend chris about this earlier today i have to actively reject that like i have to i almost have to one Um, I was talking to my mentor just about this exact thing. And he was telling me, remember though, that just because there is this like, this world of people that believe that you must stay relevant or that like, if you don't claw, then you won't make your way up to the top. I have to actually really talk to a lot of people that are like older than me, because what I'm finding is that's a young people thing that i i'm learned well according to a lot of my like wise sage mentors that that's that's a youthful thing to think that somehow we must like step on others to get there and if you're not like the new hot shit, then like you're nobody that is one ridiculous but also i think like yeah i think there's a generation of us that feel the need to do that um and i think it's 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 really ugly and i know that it's like kept me up at night and so i've had to i've really had to talk to my mentors and they've helped me see that you don't have to play into that that you don't you don't have to be in the midst of that you can remove yourself and you can lean on um what you know to be true and so what i would say is what i know to be true is i don't need that i have a a loving supportive beautiful community here in the south um, and beyond um, that wants to see me succeed. And also that you, like, I think the one thing that I've been told is there is enough for all of us. Um, and that's something that, again, like I've just been really blessed to have dope mentors like Nicole Shawan Jr. Um, reminds that to me a lot, that there is enough for everyone that we don't need to scrape and scrawl um, that that will literally be our demise. And when I say our, I mean specifically black and brown folks to do that to each other. And so I think like, I'm very passionate about that because I've had some horrific things happen to me. Um, and so like, I actively reject that feeling. Also, I know the last thing I'll say is that brings me a lot of anxiety to think yeah. about the idea behind like, what must I do today to stay relevant? I've tried for so long, and I'm sure you can understand, like, to try to do things. And I think like, it. I know that it continues to make me unwell. Mm -hmm. And so like every day I wake up and like, I'm a person that is a like survivor of everyday anxiety and depression. So like for me to think about (laughs) relevance and like who's better and who's higher and who's more important, that literally would drive me insane. So Mm -hmm. like, I have to actively rest in like love, peace, abundance, the op- everything that is the opposite of what you were just talking about. Um, okay. Now, the last little say- thing I'll say about business is of course we all have to eat. And so <laughs> <laughs> the, 
that's why I what I do is when I start to put on my cap, my business cap, I say, because I know that I am not capable um, in like making that my focus, that's why I have a really strong team around me and their whole job is to think about exactly what you just said. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love right. that. <laughs> well, as we start to wrap things up, we always like to talk about what you're excited about that's coming out from other people and then what can we uh, see from you? Yeah, so, you know, so many, so many dope people just have so much work out right now that's like about liberation. Um, and so what I've like decided to do right now though is read the work of the folks that are writing what I either want to write in the future. Um, so I will say that I've actually switched kind of out of um, poetry for a little second. Cool. <laughs> and and I mean, not away from poetry, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm reading folks that write hybrid poetry. So Ooh. we were talking about mahogany. And so I've been really rereading, um, you know, her book, Chlorine Sky, but she has several collections that have come out since then. Um, and ironically, they're now being like adapted into plays, you know, yeah. and so uh, I've really been reading like her and Elizabeth Acevedo's new work and like Clint Smith's new work. And I've just been resting on some of the people that I know and love and their work and and seeing how they've taken poetry and morphed it into like five different other genres. You right. know, I find a lot of inspiration in reading people that started as a poet and now have work that's like not in the poetry genre. Yeah, I think, um, I think you mentioned Clint. I think Clint Smith is such a brilliant example of yeah. somebody who came from that poetry world and mm -hmm. has risen to just such a scholar and of, yes, of the yes. world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Clint is a brilliant, brilliant writer. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. I've been immersing myself in kind of like people that got their start in poetry um and so those are some of the names and then of course because i'm 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 writing a romance novel i've been reading a lot of romance <laughs> um and so like trying to just immerse myself in a lot of the like black women writing romance right now or the bipoc women that are writing romance um and so though that's what i'm i'm excited about that's what i'm reading and, and then, like I said, what I'm working on is exactly that. So I am finishing up the last little edits for my YA novel in verse. Um, we are on like a six, six month plan, plan. I'm in the three month mark. So we've got three more months to go on me, in me completing this YA novel. And then my romance novel, I am halfway through with that. And so that's exciting. And trying to just like focus on one project at a time because I have several <laughs> other books that I started. Um, so I have to like tell myself like just one at a time, complete it, and then like breathe a sigh of relief right. and then go on to the next project. Awesome. So. Well, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20. I was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Um, <laughs> Likewise. And I absolutely look forward to seeing where you go with all of your projects right now <laughs> and all of the, uh, the lanes that you stay out of. Um, <laughs> so thank you again. And I hope you have a great rest of the evening. You too, Chris. So good talking to you. <laughs> so good talking to you as well. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.